0: To thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bacham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. One of the real joys of doing the Thrivology Podcast is the number of people I get to have contact with that are amazing people. I hear often from listeners who are just amazing themselves, yourself. You are amazing people. And then I get to talk with amazing people and hear their stories and think about their ideas. And today, I get to talk with one of those amazing people, probably the youngest person I've interviewed so far, just in his early 20s. But Jared Castillo is a wise young man. He has so many great thoughts. Now Jared has uh, made his way through uh, high school and college to successfully graduate debt-free, having worked his way through college. Now, that's part of his story, a part of how he found himself kind of out of balance. Jared's also a gifted athlete who has multi-sport championships under his belt. But more than that, Jared has a real belief that we aren't living our best lives. And in fact, his focus is helping young people, helping teenagers and young adults to live their best life. And that's because of where he was in his life through his own crises and through his own losses and struggles uh, with depression and, and how he came through that with a renewed sense of what his life is about. So now let's listen in as I have a chance to have a great conversation with Jared Castillo. The first time I met Jared, he was standing on his hands. It's kind of an interesting way of meeting somebody. Uh, we were at a uh, a conference, and uh, he was introducing himself to the conference, and there he was All I saw were feet in the air uh, when I I took notice and and he was still talking. So that made me uh, think that this would be an interesting person to hear from. And so today, Jared is going to share a number of pieces with us, partly about that balance piece. But before we get into some interesting pieces that can help you, um, I want Jared to talk a little bit about your story. So, Jared, welcome. Thank you for being here. Tell us how you got to here.
1: Hey Lee, thanks so much. It's it's such a pleasure to be able to to be on this with you and to have this opportunity. Really looking forward to what we created this, but uh, yeah, jumping right into it. So uh, uh, as it currently stands, I'm 23 years old. I graduated uh, from UCF actually this past uh, this past year, and kind of like delving into this how I got to this piece, uh, maybe like as you call like the uh, like the beginning or the origin story. I at a, at a young age uh, kind of like middle school moving into high school I, I kind of had this experience of myself as um, you know I always really wanted to like fit in and like be able to connect with people and things like that and really struggled uh, early on at an uh, early on an age and things like that and as I moved into high school started to, I started to realize that what I really wanted more than anything was to be able to connect with people to connect with a a cohort of people that was really like minded and I got picked on and bullied for being the small guy and things like that. So it was actually around that time that I got into competitive weightlifting got into competitive cheerleading and as a byproduct of having done those things actually started my uh, journey of becoming an acrobat. And Uh, ultimately what ended up happening was I was able to establish this identity of myself as someone who just really enjoyed any opportunity that I had to learn about like concepts of movement and and growth mentally physically emotionally and spiritually through that means and uh, that ended up being something that carried me through high school and as I entered into college I, I, it seemed like everything in life was was kind of lining up, like it was going well, like I was doing everything that I was told I was supposed to be doing. I was going to school, I was getting good grades, I was paying my way through college. I, uh, at a certain point, was basically working and schooling upwards of 60 to 70 hours a week between four jobs and um, going to college. Managed to be able to actually get through college with a with like a 3.98 GPA, no debt, paid my way through college, um, paid for my first car in cash uh, on my own. I um, became a multi-sport state-level champion and competitor. I I really was in my mind. I was doing all the things that I thought was right, and uh, you know I, it was it was interesting. It, it just kind of seemed like all at one point. As everything was kind of lining up, life decided it was going to kind of, you know, take a dump, so to speak, which was, you know, the old saying, when it rains, it pours. And what that looked like was um, my life kind of got thrown right in my face around the 2016-2017 period. All all the while, I was, you know, working these jobs and and schooling and things like that. What was kind of happening behind the scenes was uh, kind of unknown to a lot of people. I had... I had an experience where uh in my family and in my relationship with my partner then at the time and things like that, like I was always the person who was the rock for everybody. I was there for everybody, I was emotionally supporting everybody, I was doing everything that I could. Like I'd mentioned, I was working those four jobs and schooling all the time. What ended up happening was is I I got to a a pretty difficult space where I had no time for me. And then all at once um I had a friend whom I was with who five minutes later drove up the road and ended up um, dying in a in a horrific car wreck and within two weeks from that actually on the same road with my girlfriend in the car had gotten into a pretty severe head-on collision that totaled the car cracked my ribs um really messed up my partner as well and recovering from that took about six to nine months and then even shortly after that had this experience where i had gotten injured um uh injured in the gym and ended up knocking me out like not even be able to walk for about nine months and ultimately put me in this position where it became it became very difficult for me to be myself because now my my identity which was very interlaced with being able to move into exercise was like completely stripped away from me so I was having all of this like stress of school and work and everything I was weighing on me my my girlfriend became very very depressed and I was trying to support her and then like I said when it rains it pours uh it just kept coming. I had um, one of my friends actually take his life and uh, my dog passed away. My grandfather passed away all in about a two week span. And, uh, you know, I was very unprepared for this period in my life. No one, you know, when I was going to high school, when I was going to college. Nobody, nobody was talking about depression. Nobody was talking about anxiety and the the scourge that it that it is, and how it just literally seeps into every single cell of your body. And I found myself in a position where I quit all of my jobs and spent just innumerable days in my room by myself in like darkness because I just did not know how to cope. And you know, it, it got to a point where I was like, I I can't do this anymore. And I actually had this like one of my mentors. Uh, he started to like kind of like walk me through the process started recommending books i started doing a lot of personal development i i started working out and exercising again i started doing all the things that i knew that i needed to do and started coming out the other end with this like vitality for life that was really missing before and ultimately the product of that was like one day like i i' really cultivated this like i you know, i'm at the end of this journey like i had graduated i'd done all these things and i was like oh man like That was that was difficult. And uh, my mentor, uh, you know, he kind of like sits me down and and he's like, hey, look, I you you went through a lot. And I know that there are a lot of people who are going to similar thing. And I actually have a client. This guy is someone who has multiple PhDs in psychology. Super brilliant. He's like, I I think that you should consider coaching um, one of my clients. He could really use somebody to kind of guide him through like that that college journey and being able to implement systems and things like that. So that was like the result of all this work and things like that. As I kind of started down this journey of being able to help myself and other people create this like life work, school (laughs) quote balance. But now I've come to realize that it's a, it's actually a
0: myth. (laughs) there was not much balance in that life. Let's let's go back through a couple of these pieces. I just want to highlight some things. One is that it's very interesting. You talked about how, how important it was for you to try to fit in. Yeah. And yet what you did was uh, do things that would have you stand out Mm -hmm. when you're um, fit in is often um, the way we do that is by being like everybody else. Yeah. Um, Everybody else doesn't get into weightlifting and, Competitive cheerleading and everybody else certainly rarely get into acrobatics. So in some mm-hmm. ways, um, it's interesting as, as your drive for connection with others really led to your, your kind of individuating, your finding your own interest and in, in special place. Yeah. Interesting how those can play, um, such oppositional roles and yet for you that was your way to find your path you know how to how to find mm-hmm. your your journey as so i just kind of raise that up as an interesting thing because I, I see so many times that people just say okay i've just got to be like everybody else sure that rarely gets us the true acceptance we want because then they're accepting sure. us for the role we're playing not for who we really are and, and it looks like you really were seeking something that was more genuine to yourself yeah that's a powerful piece for just, just that lesson that, um, finding who you really are, your, your core being is a way of, um, finding your, your kind of your true calling. And which yeah. brings me to that, the true calling part. You're, um, you make it through this really hard journey, really yeah. full of, of grief and loss and struggle. And at the end of it, as you're coming out of it, uh, what you discover is that that grief, loss, struggle period. Uh, gave you a tool set and gave you a yeah. mission. So t- before we get into the balance part, talk a little bit about what your mission is right now. What What do you see is where you really want to make a difference in the world?
1: The, the place that I really want to make a difference in the world, Lee, is it's with youth. It's with young people like that. Uh, whether it's like high school transition to college, college transitioning into adulthood, I think that there is this massive gap that is is just not being curtailed to it's not being it's not it doesn't have it's like for example there's very basic things that our young people should know how to do for themselves that they don't know how to do like very basics of like say finance or maybe basics of cooking of budgeting like these very simple things that they don't know how to do but what my my stand is for like is really that young people have this like unshakable sense of of clarity of freedom, of the ability to actually take their efforts and create unimaginable results in any and all areas of their life. But above all else, like when I was at my lowest, what I wanted more than anything was I wanted to feel alive. Like being at that point where it's like I felt so numbed out to everything that when people were like just like disappearing around me and things like that, like it was the point where I couldn't cry. I couldn't be angry. I couldn't be sad. I couldn't be anything. So, like my my stand, my commitment, what I'm out to do is to make sure that our youth and young people have the tools to be able to go and create an results, result, but to just feel alive in their being and just take that passion and put it into whatever it is that they're creating.
0: Okay, so if I put that into two pieces, there's the um, what a lot of people talked about is the adulting skills, you know, of the practical skills of yes, finance, cooking taking care of scheduling and all those pieces. That's a practical yeah. piece, but the practical piece is in service of that feeling of being alive, that, uh, the place of others being, uh, having a sense of purpose, uh, that may have been lacking. Is that, that the focus?
1: Absolutely. I, I, I think that that's spot on and you actually pointed at this and I would love to reference it, but that whole, like with like choosing acrobats and cho- choosing weightlifting and ultimately this like, almost in this weird way like this individuation process like to me like that was almost like an unconscious thing because what I wanted more than anything like I said like I want to connect with other people but maybe what I didn't realize what I wanted more than anything was to feel so connected to who I was that no matter what room I was in I knew who I was and I would attract people who were in theory attracted to that like the actual me and who I am not this people pleasing appeasing person who does everything that they can to make sure that other people are happy
0: Okay. So I can either, I can blend in. So acceptance is just by being part of the group or I can uh, tap into my true self and be accepted for that individuality. Oh yeah. Okay. Which brings us to the balance piece. You know, there's a, so much, I, I will, I will say for myself, just an actual physical stuff. One of my things at my age I'm worried about is losing balance. Right. And, and that's sure. talking about the physical part. But there's a lot of conversation about balance in life. And so here yeah. um, your story is about a guy who physically mastered balance. I mean, to do acrobatics, to do cheerleading is mastering balance, balance, in some ways, even weightlifting. I mean, if you're off balance weightlifting, you're going to tear something up. You'll eat it. <laughs> you will. And, and something's going to pay the price. So here you are on all of your physical stuff focused on balance. But life was not balanced. You were trying to be everybody's rock. You were working 60, 70 hours a week in school and all of that and doing well, um, at least appearing Seemingly. to be well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's not about balance. So tell me some about when you say there's a myth of balance, what do you mean by that?
1: Sure. So I'm going to start by creating uh, this like analogy or metaphor and then relate it to life. So, for example, when you saw me up doing a handstand, my feet are flinging around in the air or whatever. Um, there is this perceived idea that, oh, he's balanced. He's on his hands. He's not falling. He's he is balanced. But what I propose is that this like idea of balanced is, it's almost like this like concept of a destination. Like, oh, I have arrived. I am now balanced versus. I am always arriving and I am balancing. So what I propose, and it's, it's, this isn't about balance. This is about counterbalance. Like, although it looks like I'm balanced, when I'm on my hands, I'm making these micro movements, these micro adjustments in my, in my feet, my ankles, my hands, my wrists, my, my core, my chest, my back. Like, there is this full body awareness that has to be had in order for me to be able to continue balancing, or as I like to say, counterbalancing. And the way that that is practical to say life is we all have different things on our plates. We have different balls that we're juggling. For some people, it's, I I have, I'm married. For some people, it is I I have a job or I have multiple jobs or I own a business or multiple businesses or I have kids. I have multiple – I have a kid or multiple kids. I, I exercise regularly. I'm trying to eat a healthy diet. I'm trying to make sure that I sleep. I'm trying to make sure that I read. Like there's all these things, and it can be seemingly a little bit overwhelming to be able to, in theory, create balance, this like destination point like aha. I finally created balance in my life. Like I I now have balance and, you know, then it's like, oh, okay, there it goes again. It's completely gone. It's fleeting. What I've come to realize is that it's not about trying to seek balance because it's like this truly unachievable thing, which depending on what your mindset is, can seem a little bit uh, of like a letdown. But if we seek a counterbalance, meaning I know I'm juggling all of these balls and I know that at certain points I'm going to need to probably put in a little bit more effort into certain areas than other areas, depending upon the, the ebb and the flow of how things work. So for example, I, I think that certain areas of our life are a bit more um, fragile than others. Meaning that if each ball I'm juggling or I'm counterbalancing so to speak, or I'm on my hands and I'm counterbalancing each limb, each arm, each leg, it represents a different aspect of my life. So whether it's my physical exercise, my diet and nutrition, my relationship with my, with my girlfriend or my family, each of these is a ball and some of these are more resilient than others. So for example, if I, if, if I don't work for some period of time, um, you know, the repercussions might be X, Y and Z. It might be, oh, OK, no, there's there's a loss of income or to some crazy extent, you know, maybe, you know, you lose a job. Um, if it's a relationship with a partner, it might be, you know, if I if I take a lot of my effort and energy out of my relationship, then there becomes this strained communication, this frustration, maybe it's anger. And ultimately, we you know, we definitely know that if one area is off, it definitely seeps into others. So I think that the counterbalancing aspect is about getting very aware first of what balls am I juggling? And second, what balls, is it okay if if I put them down you know, for a little bit or if I put more attention to the other, other areas? So if I stop paying attention to health, guess what? I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to be able to have my best mental clarity and focus at work. Or even be able to be present when I'm with my family because all I'm thinking about is how badly I wish that I would have exercised or eaten that right period of food or that amount of food or the right food. So it's like this perpetual state of feeling like it's never enough. So getting really clear on here is my balls. I need to make sure I need to prioritize my balls and know that I'm going to need to take certain time and put it here and pull it from – pull a little bit of time from – work and maybe put it in here with family otherwise i get the end of my life and all i can think about and wish is that i wish i'd spent more time with my kids or with my with my parents or whatever it is like we don't want to be in that space so we always want to be in the mindset of i'm not trying to seek this unachievable goal of balance it's about constantly ebbing and flowing and being in this state of counterbalance
0: you know, what's interesting to me is when I hear people say, "You know, I need I need to find some balance in life." What I really hear them saying is, "I need a break." You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's not so much that they want to truly balance because, so I right behind me is a balance board. You know, put it down on the little. World little thing, endo you know. thing yeah the, yeah it's exactly it's an endo board and uh, sometimes i do some slack lining just because i want to keep my balance because of yeah, all the activities i do great. yeah and, and there's no balance to that you know you're right there's my feet are constantly you know going back and forth and my Shipping. upper body yeah and and so it is micro moments um and anybody who thinks that balanced is a point of rest isn't really balancing there they truly are resting i mean sit down there's that maybe but otherwise if you're trying to balance it's exhausting i mean i yeah i recognize that when you were doing the handstand obviously you have a better sense of holding that balance but that you're constantly there's no point when you are just upright and mm-hmm. we as humans lose track of the fact that even when we're standing on two feet there's a whole lot going on to that oh yeah it's easier to start walking because you're just falling forward and catching yourself at every step. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so um so I love that, that concept. And and then you bring it into juggling um is interesting to think about all just naming those balls. You know, what what are the ones that I'm keeping in the air and which ones can I maybe throw up a little higher so that I can tend to the ones that are down a little lower. Yes. And still attend to that when it comes down, or what are the balls that really Just aren't worth juggling. Yeah. Um, Your story is at some point going, man, I'm juggling too many balls. I can't work three, four jobs. I can't go to school. I can't be everybody's rock without uh, completely exhausting yourself, much less if there are multiple losses and injury and all the other pieces.
1: Yeah. And ignoring those pieces, too.
0: So talk a little bit about ignoring those pieces and how that fits into the balance.
1: Yeah, so for example, I'm I'm juggling the four jobs. Like I and it's interesting. There's also a misnomer on that. It's like, oh, I'm juggling four balls, but in reality, we're only juggling one ball at once because the rest are in the air. But right. that's a whole nother thing. No, that's
0: that's a, that's important.
1: But it's a, right. It's important. We're yeah. only really juggling one at a time because this whole myth of multitasking. It's it's really interesting. It's really interesting, but. I'm juggling the four jobs. I'm juggling this relationship. I'm trying to juggle the, the heated relationship between my families. The fact that, um, you know, there, there's all these like things that are occurring. What do I do? I completely drop the ball on my health. I and I don't pick it back up. Like I, I stop exercising, I stop eating, I drop those balls. And what ends up happening is I get more and more tired. So then I start dropping the ball on my performance in school. And then I show up more crotchety, I think is the word. I start showing more crotchety in my relationship with with, uh, with my partner. It's like difficult because like my resilience has completely, like it has completely dropped. It's on the floor. The, the glass is shattered. And now like I'm not able to hold the space the way that I had in the past with that, with my family. So what ends up happening is I, see, I say, you know what? forget it. And I dropped all the balls because I didn't take the time to say, you know what? Hey, work. I need to, I need to, I need a day off. I need, I need one day off that this is the day that I'm going to take to, to replenish myself, to, um, to uh, spend time with my family or to spend time with my girlfriend to, uh, maybe it's cutting back a little bit on hours, on in and works that way i have the time to exercise so like being able to be very mindful of what balls should i which balls do i need to be juggling what balls should i be juggling and just like you said what balls do i really need to be putting down
0: so important so you said something important when you're juggling there's only one thing you're one ball one item you're focused on at any one point yeah your task is to throw it at the right place but yeah. that's it. You know, there's one coming in. Um, my, my, uh, uh, teen years and young adult years were spent doing magic and juggling. So there you uh, go. That, that I recognize not a great juggler, but good enough to, you know, <laughs> have that as part of the act. And I only had to make sure that that ball in my hand was it in the right direction. Yep. And I knew that the further I threw it up, the longer I could hold on to another ball before I had to toss it too. So let's go to that multitasking. I mean, there is the place where we think that we can actually simultaneously have in our hand multiple balls, but that's a myth. (laughs) If you throw, if I try to throw three balls to my one other hand, there's no way I'm going to be able to pay attention to all three, nor will my other hand catch all three. So talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that myth of multitasking and how that fits into the balance of life. Sure. So
1: uh, I heard this saying once. It said that uh, if you try to chase two rabbits or two bunnies, you'll catch neither. Because what I, I think, I think what ends up happening is, no matter what anybody says, I am a wholehearted believer that you can only give a hundred percent. You can say, "Oh, put in hundred and fifty percent." I don't, I don't, I think that that isn't itself as a myth. That's like you have a hundred percent of what you can do. Now, of course, if you get really good at ch- being effective with your hundred percent, you can get two to three, maybe four hundred percent the results. But you can only put in a hundred percent of what you got.
0: Because mathematically, there's only a hundred percent.
1: There's only a hundred percent. right. So we're looking at a pie chart, and and I'm like trying to divvy up my attention to all of these different things, my ability to actually perform to the highest level is not centered on this one thing. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to try to put 20% here. I'm trying to put 20% here. It's like, oh man, huh. try to listen to your wife or significant other partner and also text and also do your taxes and also try to do these things at the same time one, at least one of those things is not going to be catered to to the level that it should be. The partner is going to feel ignored or not understood there will be more mistakes on say cooking the food or trying to do the taxes or whatever it is. Like I have tried to do it a couple of times now where I'm like, I'm like talking on the phone with my, with my significant other and then trying to do something else at the same time. And then I end up missing what they're saying and then having to go back and spend time trying to address that thing. So the interval of time with which I need, like from, if I have my, if I, if I have a, you know, a gap between both hands, my left hand representing, um, like the beginning of time to the end of time it takes to take a, uh, to finish a task like the interval with which it would take me to finish one task goes from say you know a fourth of uh, a fourth of what the time would be elapsed if I'm trying to do multiple things at once now we spend more tra- more time probably getting less things done with less efficiency and less effectiveness i think that's i think that that's where the myth heads to
0: well and the research backs you up there's some research that shows that when you stop doing whatever you're doing and you check your email, it's as if you've been drinking or taking drugs. In really? Your, in your effectiveness. Yeah.
1: Yep. Fascinating.
0: The time it takes you to get back to something. So if I were to stop and go check my email, the time to get back into the zone of what I was doing initially – it's it's not like it's not instant. In fact, it can be ten to fifteen minutes before you're back to that same efficiency. So your effectiveness is automatically reduced. So you're you're dead on to that. Um, I, here's the thing that just to kind of clarify, we only can give a hundred percent of what we have. Yeah. But what you said was that's not necessarily the same as the results. So let's say that you're practicing high jumps. You're mm-hmm. giving a hundred percent of your effort to that high jump. Sure. The height you can jump. Can go up you know compared to where you were, so you start at one hundred percent of what you could jump, and then you keep doing that, and suddenly you're jumping at one hundred and fifty percent of what you could have jumped, but you're still only giving one hundred percent of your effort so of course so' it's the the outcome cannot may be different than how much you're putting in that was your your sure. point to that, um, which is a, a lot of times people want more effectiveness, but giving a hundred percent can make you more effective sure, you just can't give one hundred and fifty percent of what you have
1: no. And I think that the, distinct, the distinction is this. It's like I think you can still give 100% of what you're getting and take two different outcomes, one where you get, say, 100 to 200%, and one you get 300 to 400%. And the X factor, so to speak, is the systems, the processes, or the method with which you're using that 100%. So, for example, you can get 100% of your effort to lining up a shot to take a shot down range. Based off of what available information that you have, which might be your novice. But then some expert comes up to you and says, hey, try this, try this, try this. You still give 100%, but because now you have a new context for here's new information available, here's a system, here's a process, now your results jump to maybe two, three, four hundred 400% of what they were before simply because of the parameters from which you were creating in.
0: So let me just complicate this a little bit more. So one of the things I've been doing lately uh, is jujitsu. Yes. And the concept in jujitsu is that you don't want to be giving a hundred percent because a hundred percent will wear you out. Yeah. Yeah. If I can use 20% of my energy to do a hundred percent of the move, that's better than using a hundred percent of the move to get an 80 percent, you know, effectiveness. So there, there's that balance point that's in there, you know, am I at the right balance point? And, and so this is one of those places where I, I find it interesting in life that there are times when I'm doing a move and I have to be exactly balanced in order to make the move sure but there are other moves where i actually have to be off balance in order to get there Uh, because the off balance allows me to arrive at a new place of balance you know and and that's a interesting it's it's just an interesting thing for me to be thinking of this whole balance piece because i spend so much of my life working on my balance and then suddenly i go oh i've got to be off balance here for a little bit yep for that transition. Okay. So yep. all interesting stuff about balance. I, I love that idea that it's a myth and, um, that when people are actually pursuing what I hear people talking about is balance, the way they got balanced is to sit on their butt and do nothing <laughs> in some ways, you know, <laughs> they're finding a way of pulling back. And I, I just say that that's an overstatement, but, um, sometimes what they have failed to think of is where, where do I need to let that ball go? Or where yeah. do I need to, um, at least rest that ball, you know, which brings me to a bigger piece. Tell me when you're looking at teens these days, a lot of times, um, there is an expectation for teens to be doing everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think there's almost a setup that I watch people get into that, um, doesn't help for their future. You know, they're, they've got to be getting great grades Getting super score on whatever test involved in three or four uh, activities. And what I watched in my uh, clinical work is students who were having to do those things because, you know, there, there was an expectation with zero joy. You know, I had so many who said, yeah, I've got to go to college and play tennis and I hate tennis now. Yeah. What do you see as the big challenges for teens and, parenting of a teen right now yeah this is
1: it's interesting uh for a little bit i was i was wary of speaking on these type of topics because i'm like oh snap like i might be stepping on some people's toes like getting in the in the middle of parents and in in uh in child but now i'm like nope nope this needs to be said so um what i think and this is like i think this has just been like fundamental to a lot of my growth in the society society that we live in today I think that there is a massive disconnect in communication, meaning that, you know, if I'm looking, if I'm looking at a coin, and we're both looking at a coin, you see one side, I see the other, and you know, there's always the, there's always the third side, right? There's the, there's actually re- in reality what's occurring. So what happens, I think, is parent has some goal or expectation of that child. Maybe it's great. Maybe maybe the end goal is like, oh, I want you to I want you to have a you know, have a doctorate in psychology and become a psychologist. So everything that they say, do, or how they show up for the child is in the context of, I want you to get a PhD in, in psychology. So then it's, well, let's make sure you have great grades. Let's make sure that you're doing this. Let's make sure you're doing that. So the, the, the parents have their own agendas of what they believe the child should do. And then the child has, uh, the student has their own ideas of what they want to do. And you know it might be, "Oh, I want to do sports, or I want to study this particular thing, or "Oh, I want to be an actor," or whatever the thing is. There is usually some breakdown and some lack of communication of what is occurring and I think what often occurs is that the parents' wants and needs supersede this the, the child's wants and needs, and what ends up happening is the child either becomes very rebellious and out in like very like outbursts like a, like large um, expressions or uh, if you're, if they were like me, they, they withdrew. And what I ended up doing as a result was people-pleasing through high school and even college. I went to college because I was told that I was supposed to. Now, if I had gone in there with the mindset of, I want to go because I'm going to get this degree that's very relevant to something that I want to do, all of a sudden, my engagement is completely different. How I interact, how I show up, My potential is completely shifted and completely changed. So at the end of the day, I think, although if the parent says, oh, I want my kid to get a PhD and whatever, what they're really saying and maybe what's not getting communicated above all else, I think what parents really want for their kids is for them to be happy. They want for them to be able to have a roof over their head and be able to provide for themselves and maybe for a family in the future. They want them to be safe and secure they, and I would I would even go to the extent of saying that I, I would suppose that, that parents would even want them to be inside of some kind of job or career or profession that they actually do enjoy. Like I, I do believe that at some core level that that's what parents truly want. But sometimes it gets masked over, you should do this because this is what I believe that is the best route for you versus being over there in their world. And first being – and, I, and I, this hit me. Someone said this to me yesterday. said that to, to – be to be understood. We, we should first seek to understand, meaning it would be so invaluable for a parent to go to their kid and to say, what is it that you truly want? Like, I I want you to know, as a parent, like my, my, my commitment is like, I want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy. I want you to live a happy and joyous life. And I want you to also be able to, you know, create, you know, these types of results, but what is that you want to create all of a sudden there's like this breakthrough in my opinion in communication where now the child feels like this freedom or space to say, I feel like I've been living a lie or I feel like uh, I've been doing everything for what you've wanted or, or for what the school wants or for what everyone else wants or what I really want is to is, is to be a dietitian and to, and to help people who are struggling with their diet or if it's – I want to be a, a professional YouTube individual. Whatever it is, like getting in their world – Being over there with them, hearing what they want, and then being able to help them and curate for them a plan or method or support that can move them along this path. Removing a lot of the resistance, the frustration, the the roadblocks that often get put up because parent doesn't feel like they're heard, student, child doesn't feel like they're heard. So it's just like ascending to a new level of communication, understanding that was not previously available.
0: So that's a powerful, I think, a powerful kind of a um, axiom for parents to be understood, seek to understand. That's a great place for a parent to be. Now, your focus um, is not working with the parents. It's working with the teens or or young adults. Uh, So in, in that piece, you've got a podcast that's coming out. Talk a little bit about the podcast coming out and then what you do at, in your work with teens and young adults.
1: Mm-hmm. So I have a podcast as me coming out. It's called, it's going to be called follow the wolf. And the essence of what it is is it's a, it's about tailing the journey of the the philosophy that I'm creating around the wolf, which is the wolf is both a, a lone wolf, which this is when it goes on its own journey it's doing that inner work it's it's cultivating who it is who who am i what is my what are my values what are my principles what am i what am i going to stand for how do i how do i show up and dance when no one's looking so to speak and then it's also that pack animal aspect where it goes out in community and it creates and it works towards this common goal so the the podcast is really going to be designed around interviewing people who have Cultivated this like this wolf's journey where they are they've overcome some kind of struggles or trials and tribulations, and now we're able to take and transmute that energy into something that inspires them and now they're creating in in the world and um being able to bring on young people who maybe they have roadblocks or maybe they have struggles or maybe they they just don't know what to do, and being able to bring them on, interview them into Um, help them overcome through uh, the coaching process on the podcast being able to step into a new level of power and a lot of how that connects to like the coaching that I do it it kind of plays out in the stages of being and doing so there's this like practical aspect which is going and getting great results and maybe it's getting better grades or improving their health or getting into good colleges getting landing scholarships or maybe it's starting a business or it's overcoming uh, depression and anxiety um whatever those things are because there's such an array of things that we're working with there's that practical element within this like being element is, is for me it's like it's helping them to to cultivate this feeling of this feeling of aliveness we give them the the tools the structures the um the planning capabilities to be able to go from wherever they're at to wherever it is that they want to go and I think one of the most important pieces is having having accountability, having somebody who's going to be there and encourage you. Because what happens, I think, and this isn't this doesn't matter if you're young, if you're middle aged, or if you're older. Whenever we go and set strive towards some goal, it is with certainty when we have to step up to the next level that there is going to be. <laughs> everything everything that we have to overcome is going to get right in our face and right in our way. Like our old ways of being and doing, our old patterns, our old behaviors, this like habitual way of being is going to get in our way. And a lot of times the response is to get small. But at that point, I think it's a time to expand. And sometimes what you need is that pat on the back that's saying, look, you got this. I got you. You got me. Let's do this. We got this. And let's let's go and get it.
0: And a lot of times that's easier for a coach to be doing than a parent to be doing. <laughs> it's, <you> know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it makes a shift in that power struggle. So, um, Jared, given that, if um, two things, one, if um, if somebody wants to contact you about, let's say, the balance stuff and understanding that some more or two, and I think more to your mission, maybe they have a team that they want to link up with you or find your podcast. What's the best way of finding you?
1: Yeah. So the best way to find any of that would be on my website, which is at jaredcastillo.com. J-A-R-R-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O.com. And, you know, we can, whether it's, you know, you need a scheduled call and you just want some tips or advice, or if it's just getting in contact and staying in touch with the movement, I'm going to be putting out a lot of amazing things that is really designed to help free up young people. And also like I'm, I'm partnering up with, um, with some some pretty amazing people and is going to be able to also work with um, parenting to some extent and making this like collaborative effort to just have families in general just be freed up and feeling alive
0: so give that uh website one more time
1: jared castillo j-a-r-r-o-d-c-a-s-t-i-l-l-o dot com perfect thank you
0: Jared, thank you so much for sharing. You've given uh, stuff about how to deal with life as it comes at you and understand that and also uh, how to understand that teen or young adult frame. I uh, appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for sharing.
1: Lee, thank you so much for your time. You are phenomenal, and uh, I'm, I'm truly grateful to be able to have had this experience with you.
0: Well, thank you. It's it great to share with you. you.